Elevate your board game experience by playing on a Game Toppers. Turn any kitchen or dining room table into a premium game playing space. Find out more and get yours. You can go over to GameToppersLLC.com. Hey, y'all. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Today, the owner of Portal Games, Ignacy Chevichek, joined the guys to talk about Essen, sports, Portal Games in 2020, and Stronghold Undead. What? No cookie talk? Are you sure this is the real Ignacy? Hello, hello. This is Rolling Dice and Taking Names, episode 186, Patience, and this is Ignacy Chevichek. And today with me, Marty and... I guess I'm getting replaced, Tony. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> That's right, Tony. It's finally happening. You've been complaining so long. It's like, I'm going to get replaced. So we thought, why not bring in a premiere publisher, board game designer, and friend. He's a podcaster. From Portal Games, Ignacy. So, Ignacy, thank you for coming on. I'm super happy to be part of the podcast now. We will, of course, invite Tony sometimes in the future, <laughs> but for now, I'm super happy to be here. <laughs> but what's so weird is, Ignacy, you're sponsoring yourself, so I'm not sure how that's going to work, but I guess we'll we'll talk about the financial aspects of that later. Portal Games has a very talented accountant, so we can do it. <laughs> Hey, I'm sure it's in euros or whatever. We'll figure it all out. I don't know. <laughs> That's fine. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, sir. We do. You are such a nice guy for coming on. You know. Oh my gosh. Have you noticed every episode how much he calls you a nice guy? Is he sucking up? Do you do you have bl- uh, blackmail on him or something? Uh, I noticed this. Uh, I'm smiling each time I'm listening to the podcast. It's very kind of you. Thank you. Well, I have to suck up to him because at Gen Con, I got to play this incredible world soccer game with Ignacy and Chevy and, um, oh, I forget who else. And Ignacy was kind enough to let me beat his team and advance into the finals. And I, you know, I, I, I gotta, I gotta pay the man back. That was, a, that was a great experience. And I want to come back and play it next gen. Bringing these memories was the very bad start of this podcast. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So now Tony, are, are you in, are you like a regular member where you have to schedule you for every Wednesday now, from now on at Gen Con to go do this event? Oh, if they'll let me come, I am so in. That was so much fun. I have been looking for that game on BGG trying to figure out how to get a trade in so I can have it. And what's it called? World Cup. Or just World Cup. Is this, I guess it's out of print now? It is out of the print. It was released many years ago. Of course, it has a very uh, loyal fan base that is about 50 people around the place, around (laughs) the world. Uh, We we all love the game, but of course never reprinted. But the designer of this game is supporting the title. So on uh, Board Game Geek in the files section, he posts new maps, uh, new expansions, etc. So this game is a living game uh, only for like 100 people and marty what, what speaks to me is it's card play and dice rolling that's me that's why i had so much fun is there actually a pitch where you're moving people around on the board or anything like that this is strategy game sir this is uh, all about strategy this is not some stupid running on the pitch this is like you <laughs> wow like, this is this is serious stuff this game really well, well, i mean it's just like regular football where they are strategizing trying to figure out how to get to the goal and they're trying to figure out how to score and, and set up a play or something it's not just kicking a ball and hope it goes in a net i know that's what it looks like to us americans speaking of sports so as soon as we got on ignite 
house. It was like, I uh, just want to let you know that the, the time zone difference wasn't exactly uh, right when we set up this uh, this uh, meeting, and it's an hour later than what it needs to be. I only have an hour and a half because what do you got to do in an hour and a half, Ignacy? I will be watching my volleyball team playing against the champion of Poland. So this is the match of the season for me. Very important afternoon. We should record one hour from now. I was sitting here for the whole hour. Then I figured out that probably there's some time differences. And so now I'm already focusing slowly, slowly, slowly oh, towards volleyball. Like you are losing me with every single minute. How long have you been into volleyball? Is, is that a recent thing or, or, or what? Yes, it started one year ago when Polish team won the world championship. And since then I became real geeky about volleyball. I go to matches. I went to the championship of Europe, to Netherlands. I became a volleyball geek, and I'm happy with that. Do you ever play? Yes, I even started playing volleyball, yes. Volleyball's fun, isn't it? It is, but if you don't have a skill, it's pathetic, but <laughs> I'm working on this part. At this point, I'm the one that everybody's aiming at because they know that I cannot you know, get this ball right, so... I'm the most lousy player at this point. Back in my 20s, I played a competitive ball. I played on a six versus six team in like a yep. city league. That was fun. That was some of the most fun sports I played. I wasn't very good either. By the way, Ignacy, you're tall enough. Are you an outside striker? I don't think you're tall enough to be a middle. I hope to at some point become attacker, but at this point I'm just, hey, stay here and don't move. <laughs> So, do you overhand serve or do you underhand serve yet? Oh, my gosh. Under. Hey, well, Tony, it was a good question. He unders. It takes right. practice to get the overhand serve down. Go out to the barn where the horses are and just sit there and overhand serve against the side of it, okay? Is that where Mary is today? Is she out with the horses? <laughs> I appreciate this advice. <laughs> All right. En enough of this chit-chat stuff. Let's get to the meat of the thing. How was Essen? For me, extremely busy. I wrote an article about this uh, on, on my blog. I came up with this idea that I will come only for two days because I can, because I have a team that I can run the whole show. So my team arrives for the whole show and they run the booth, they run the sales, they run the demos. And I said, I will come only for two days. And that was a disaster idea. Uh, so many events packed in uh, these uh, 16 hours. I had 16 business meetings in one day. Then I have a live stream with uh, Board Game Gig. I have a live stream with Essen. I have a panel with 20 years of Portal Games. I was running all around the place. Uh, my fans were trying to catch me. Uh, it, it was insane. Never again. The stupidest idea I can have coming for the biggest show in Europe for only two days. I'm not sure what I was thinking, but that was bad strategy. As for general show, of course, uh, insane, insanely amazing. Uh, we were just covering it uh, with Mr. Bonacor uh, in Board Games Insider. There was over 200,000 people. Of course, there's always this debate between Gen Con and SN, uh, which convention is bigger. To confuse everybody, both conventions uh, count the people in different way. So the Gen Con gives the number of uh, budgets sold. Essen gives the number of people that entered the hall. Like they have this scan. So if you under enter the hall, you are scanned. So they know they scanned 200,000 people. But of course, if you are coming for four days, you were scanned three, four times. So we never know actually how many people were at Essen. So the, the struggle continues. We don't know which commission is bigger. Both are absolutely amazing. That's, that's for sure. So does it really matter which is bigger? They're both huge. They are both huge, but for us, we will not stop discussing until we know, right? I was trying to like do some numbers and guesstimate how many people bought four-day ba four badges, how many bought two-day badges, etc. And just playing with some math, 
it, it's it's very close to similar. It's within a few thousands of each other, regardless. So they're about equal in size, I would think. Yep. And then the new thing that happened this year at Essen, uh, they are starting being more and more serious about the seminars and panels and additional events. Because before years, it was only the trade show. You were coming there to buy games. Now they are trying to have more events. So, And these events are quite interesting because this is like, I would call it curated content. So they invite uh, panelists. They invite se- uh, people who will make a seminar. Then they record it. And it is posted on the official uh, SN, SN YouTube channel. So it is very interesting. Mm, uh, so this one new thing. The, the problem, in my opinion, is that when you're at SN, you're running all around the place, buying these games and doing these demos. You don't have time to sit in the you know conference room and listen to the panel because there's so many things happening on the floor so um, as for my what i saw is that the attendance of these seminars is not very huge i i think they they need to improve on that but besides that very interesting that they have this uh, new thing that is called panels so based on your schedule then i guess you didn't get to play or see any games that you're going to say oh we need to get this across the pond into the hands of no, no, okay. no, 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 absolutely, absolutely no. But we brought a ton of games uh, back to the office, and the last weekend we spent uh, the whole weekend playing all these new releases because Portal Games, of course, for Polish market, were a, quite a big publisher. Mm, so we were looking for the interesting new games from Essen that we can translate into the Polish and bring to Polish market. So we spent the whole weekend playing all these games. Of course, all these new signed contracts, all these new editions will be announced at PortalCon in a few weeks. We are just checking, 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 checking all these new releases and playing and playing and playing. Very busy time, playing new games all over the time. I believe at Essen, uh, this was your official release of Predaporte. How did that go? Uh, very well, because uh, we were very mm, uh, lucky that during the Kickstarter campaign, because it was very close to the Essen, we were able to make a, a option for the backers to pick up at Essen. So we have more than 300 uh, backers who came, uh, almost all of them, in the first day of the show to pick up the Pret-a-Porter. So for the first day, almost everybody, of course, uh, in air quotes, almost everybody was uh, having Pret-a-Porter in their hands. So we were very proud, very happy. And then, of course, seven tables, busy all the time, seven tables played Pret-a-Porter, seven tables played Empires of the North, two, play- two tables for the Imperator's Roll and Ride. So very busy, amazing volunteer team for preta porte you already know the game we played only half the game so after the second uh, exhibition we said okay this is a demo uh, please consider buying and uh, next team next people want to play so um, yes a good release the game was sent to the backers bit before essen so very happy with that uh, i i think operation finished successfully and i just checked it uh one of our sponsors miniature market uh preta porte is now available it's not pre-ordering yes. more it's actually available you can go buy it and they have a really good price there, Tony. It's only forty-two uh, U.S. dollars there. Well, you know that's pretty good for that game, but without strategy or any hints from uh, Mister Ignacy on how to beat a score of twenty-two, I don't know if we'd go out and play it again. <laughs> Ignacy, can you imagine twenty-two in all your play testing? A twenty-two. So during the developing the new edition of Pretaporte, at some point uh, we came up with a rule that you can get out of the game at the end of the game if you ban- if if there's a rule of the bankruptcy 
and we put it in a, just for theory because we, it should be it should be in the rules that you can go out of the game if you cannot pay your loan. So this was just in theory, and then we see the reports from players all over the place, all over the world, and some of the players uh, have to lose the game and don't even get to the scoring because of the bankruptcy. So yes, this uh, rule that we designed only for theory, only to make the rule book <laughs> clear, only to make the rules like you know. Being precise, uh, actually, it is in play. I'm very surprised. Congratulations to, for achievements. <laughs> I was I was just testing that part of the rules. That's all. I just wanted to make sure if this really happens, does it break the game or anything? It does not. It breaks the player, but not the game. But this is a serious economic game. Like all this uh, amazing artwork for Quan Chai, this amazing, unique theme. Okay, we are going to make it close. But in its roots... Is a heavy economic game and you have to be focused from the very beginning and what is more, other players at the table can screw you and then it is very difficult. So it is a, a beast in the disguise. And that's what threw me off, I think, with that game, Marty, was the fact of the mess with you component. Was not expecting that. There, there's not really a catch-up mechanic, is there? I mean, it seems like the further I got behind, I was just, I, I couldn't do anything to catch up. No, uh, no. Uh, from the very beginning, and it is uh, how we describe the game in the campaign, how we describe the game in the official materials. This is an economic game in your face. Like, I have money. If I have more money, I will just attack you with my money. That means I will buy better buildings. I will buy better people. Like this, from the very beginning, it is a combat game, and our ammunition is money. Yeah. I mean, it's all like uh, you and I playing a couple of games of City of the Big Shoulders, Tony, right? I mean, mm-hmm. early on, it's an economic game. You start generating your money early, you're going to run away from people. I mean, it's there's some euros that are meant to be that way. There are some euros that you go in it's like, look, you got to be playing smart, or you're going to be behind. This is one of those games. But but you but you let people know that too. This is a serious, heavy economic game. From the very beginning, yes. in Poland, here we have a league of the heavy euro gamers. They play Le Havre, they play Agricola, they play all these heavy games, and they play Pretaporte. Like for them, it is a challenge, and yes. Everybody knows that at this table, during this league game, this uh, scoring game, one of the players will win and all others will be complaining that he just punched them into the face. Like, this is this game. Hey, Marty, we need to go play in that league just to build our esteem, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. No, no it would tear down our esteem. I know it would. It would be not pretty. We'd go away <laughs> crying. It would be sad. So, did um, Empires of the North get the release in Essen? It was a European release. So, yes, in, in America during the Gen Con in Essen, it was a European release. And uh, so, soon after Essen, in upcoming weeks and months, there will be a French edition. In During the Essen, there was a German edition released, of course, Polish edition released. So, new countries are joining the print run. So, in upcoming uh, Months we we hope to see many many different editions and parts of the north of course the new factions released Japanese islands released at S and uh, and also street dated in America like I think yesterday or something like that so we are supporting and parts of the north the game is is having amazing feedback so we are very happy and we will continue to support it with the new content for the next year we need uh we didn't got the expansion yet so we need to go get that tony because i'm ready to get that game back to the table with the new expansions i love that game i love that game yes and we've we, in, in expansion we have uh, we have one of these clans that i can now uh, spoil the, the, the story it was meant to be in the base game of the of the of the game but it was very difficult to play and we decided okay it is uh, too difficult let's put something easier into the base game and let's move this clan to the to the expansion because this clan, this whole 
idea for this clan. The whole engine is that during the game he has so many action cards that allows player to give resources or give some abilities to other player. So basically you are this kind clan who wants to send gifts to his neighbors. And now you have to know this game very, very well to understand at what point you can give other player wood, at what point you can other give other players sheep, if you can un- help him untap his cards, because you pretend to be nice, you pretend to be kind, you pretend to give him a gift, but of course you don't want to give him too many gifts so he will crush you. So this is, uh, in terms of the rules, very simple ga- simple faction, but in terms of the understanding at what point I can give him something for free, it it takes you some experience in the game. So we are very happy with this uh, faction. But, uh, as I said, it is for experienced players. The person who's giving away something, what do they get in return? Why do they want to do that? The, the card may say, for example, you can untap other player card and you get two victory points. Or you can use his card, but then you can you can untap other his cards. Or he you give him uh, two ships, you get one victory point. So you are just giving him all these goods, all these uh, additional abilities, and you are scoring. But if you give him too much stuff, he will score even more. So you have to be very smart what you are doing. A very fun faction. All right. So uh, in our game group, Tony, we'll let uh, Nate play that one. Yeah, that means he'll only beat us by 400. (laughs) That's just, oh, man. That sounds kind of like a a strong engine that once you get up and running, is there any way to stop it? What do you mean stop it? I mean, you decide whether you're giving away stuff or not. But me as the other player, I'm recognizing he's just running away with victory points. How can I stop him? What can I do to him? Race, 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 race tokens. <laughs> Use them smart. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, you, you can You can always raise raise opponent is how you, st- how you stop them. Or because it's engine building game, you better build a better engine. That's that's what's going on with engine building games, right? Yep. Marty, I'm, you left a video for me to watch uh, to talk here on the show about a magic computer. Yes. Did you watch it? I did. And I don't know if Ignacy got a chance to watch it. If you didn't, Ignacy, don't. Wait a minute. Hold on. Did you watch it, Ignacy? Yes, I did, but not the all. I watched like 20 minutes and then I was so lost. I said, <laughs> I'm not understanding a thing. <laughs> he was talking all these magic terms. And I'm like, dude, really? You think I understand what this is? I have no clue. Right, right. Let me explain what, what this is. So there, there's this big channel. This is this is science channel where this guy does a bunch of, of science stuff on YouTube. It has like over a million subs. It's, it's huge. People have probably seen it before. But there's this one episode at a university. They had decided a couple things. One, magic is the most complex game in the world. Uh, as far as trying to create AI for it, more complex than Go, more complex than chess because there's over 20,000 unique magic cards. There's so many things you can do. It's just the hardest game to be able to program an AI. But then they determined that it's possible to build a deck of magic cards that actually operates as a computer. And what their sample was is, you know, from the 30s, you remember the Turing computer? You remember that movie that came out last year with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. where you basically create a machine that will walk through these steps and do things for you? So without going into too much detail, there, there was this whole video. Gosh, it was like 40 minutes long, wasn't it? And it was super confusing. Yep. Where the idea was is that they had this thing called a Turing tape where uh, the head, you would have like a head that reads the tape that can change what's on the tape. It could change bits and numbers and everything. And they did that with minions and magic where you could change the type of minion it is and type of mana that it is. But the concept was, is you get a lot of cards played out and the cards are actually computer instructions 
that can modify what's on the table in front of you to where you could do things like add numbers together, where you could have magic cards operate as computer instructions to determine what two plus two is. And that was at the very end of the video. So if you hung around till the very end, <laughs> you got to that point. Now, I did appreciate that. I was just like, I didn't understand a word he was saying. I really didn't. It's a very confusing video, but I just thought it was super cool that there's this game, this card game that everybody plays that number one is considered the most complex game around and two can actually be used to operate as a computer. So Ignacy, did you ever play Magic? I played Magic a couple of times. Like, not, I'm not a Magic player, but of course I played the game, of course. Mm -hmm. Did you like it? I have a problem with this draw one card. It, it, it frustrated me a lot. So I talk with so many players because both among my friends and both among my friends designers like Eric Lang, like Antoine Bauza, they're all Magic players. They love Magic the Gathering. So asking them, hey guys, explain me what's this amazing about the Magic the gathering because I draw one card and I'm frustrated that this is like a card I didn't need and this is my whole round and then explain me blah 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 still <laughs> I don't I don't get this magic I respect the game a lot I know this is one of the best games on the planet I love Richard Garfield I love Keyforge Key Roborelli all these designs but magic I play only with my son because he plays magic of course so sometimes I play with him but I never get sucked into the magic the gathering and I could see Eric Lang going blah 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 <laughs> <laughs> and that's one thing I noticed, Marty. He was talking about I'm going. I need to scoop. I'm like, what is scoop? And I guess that's where you say I forfeit because I didn't get the right cards. Yeah, yeah. And that and that was the bad thing too. If you, I'm, we're going to leave a link to this video in our in our uh, show notes, so you can just click on it if you want to watch it. But yes, they use all these magic terms, and, and one of the people that introduced me to this video was super confused because they never played magic, so they don't explain anything about magic at all, and they just start playing the game without explaining anything. So if you don't understand a lot about how computers work or magic, this is going to be totally foreign to you. But anyway, as somebody who I just appreciated the, the steps that this university went through in order to create this specific deck. And the reason why he was scooping Tony is because he had to get a certain number of cards in his hand at the beginning for the computer to start working and get them out on the table. And they said over the course that even though the, the video is only like 44 minutes long, it said it took them over two and a half hours to play that entire game. Wow. Two and a half hours. Yeah. Because there was a follow-up Q and a video where people were super confused. He made another video going, okay, I get it. You people had no idea what was going on. <laughs> he said, because if you don't follow magic, it's going to be totally confusing, but he addressed it in a further episode about what went on behind the scenes to pull that off. So at a magic tournament, you can basically walk to the table, not get your cards, scoop them up and leave. I mean, that wouldn't be a lot of fun, but yes. Okay. That sounds like some of the games I've been playing, you know, just walk <laughs> to the table and say, this sucks and leave. But Ignacio, I'm with you. When I, when Tony and I first got into card games early on, the thing that frustrated with magic was the one draw mechanic. And that was about the time that Tony got into card games in the early 2000s that the second and third generation of card games, CCG, started coming out that alleviated some of that problem. That's why, Tony, you and I really got into like the World of Warcraft trading card game because it made getting into your deck a lot easier and it wasn't that frustration of, you know, oh, well, number thing, one thing was is, is uh, you know, not getting enough when you're, what's it called, mana screw, where you don't get enough mana out to be able to do anything. And games like the World of Warcraft trading card game fix that because any card in your hand could be used as a resource and not a specific card. So Ignacy, as a designer, when you think of empires, imperial settlers, things like that, 
do you look for chances occurring in your game, like when a player can get hurt like that? Do you ever encounter that and say, we need to fix that? Yes. In both of these games, we have like a pyramid, uh, how we build the cards. So the most important cards in the deck have a couple of copies in the deck. And, uh, we double check how many cards that give you points are in the deck. So there's a, I would not say that there's a very complicated math, but yes, there is like a, when you, Put all these cards from the one deck on the on the table. If you lay lay them down, you will see some of the, the mechanics that has to be seen that the deck works. So enough scoring cards, enough production cards, some of the cards in the two or three copies. Like there is a, a lot of thinking. And so on one hand, you have to when you design the deck, you have to create a couple of interesting abilities so players get excited when they draw this card. You have to have a couple of cards that are this fundamental for this particular faction, like for example, Romans to get stone, because Romans always have to have the stone, etc. etc. So there's a couple of layers of creating a deck. It is a quite quite sophisticated process. Speaking of a sophisticated process, and one that's been going on for years. Going on currently right now is the Kickstarter for Stronghold Undead. And initially, uh, we were going to bring in Ocean just to talk about Stronghold. And, and Tony said, let's just bring him in for the entire episode. And I thought, yes, this would be a lot of fun. But now, why don't we go over and dig deep into a game that Tony and I have been waiting for for three years. Marty, which is the reason why the name of the show is Patience. Stronghold yeah. <laughs> Undead. As Ignacio just talked about, a lot of amazing games came out at Essen, and they're starting to show up right now at Miniature Market, including ones Ignacio just talked about, Predaporte, his expansion to Empires of the North. They're there right now. There's some really good deals, and you want to make sure to look for sales. It's going to be coming up this holiday. To do so, you can join their newsletter. You can follow them on Twitter at Minimart Talk, or just go visit them daily over at MiniatureMarket.com. So one of my favorite games that I got introduced to at our board gaming club, uh, Queen City Game Club, was Stronghold. And I'm like, this is amazing. And Marty and I got to play it. We got to play the four-player version. You remember that, Marty? How many years ago was that, man? Oh, my gosh. Seven, eight years ago? It's been a long time. It's been a long time. And we got to play that. And then we heard that it was being reworked, that it was coming over back to Stronghold. And it was being reworked to Stronghold as a two-player game. And you and I were so excited because we were like, oh, two-player strategy games. We love them. You hear us talk about War Chess, and we're like, Stronghold. And we got to play it at BGG Con. That was, what, three years ago, Marty? No, no, no. It was more than three years ago, wasn't it, Ignacy? Because Ignacy was there sitting with us playing. I I, it, should be, it should be 2014 when I was present pr- pr- promoting uh, Imperial Setters. And we first played Imperial Setters, and then we played uh, Stronghold Undead. So it has to be 2014. Five years ago. Five years ago. Well, now on Kickstarter is a game that's probably been in development longer than we actually really played it back in 2000-whatever. <laughs> Stronghold Undead is out there on Kickstarter, and Marty and I were blessed to have a promo copy sent to us, and we got to play it. And we walked through it, and I must say, Ignacy, 
it was worth the wait. It's been worth all those squirrely awards that it's won. How many, uh, what game has won so many squirrely awards and not really been produced yet? <laughs> yeah, and the squirrely award that we're talking about, it was like the game that, uh, was it, uh, so, well, it's won several, delayed the most, the most anticipated <laughs> game. Because <laughs> every year, Ignacy, you've been teasing this game, but finally, it's here. It's on Kickstarter. It's on Kickstarter. It's not here, right? Oh, so we got to wait some more. Fine. <laughs> yeah, now we got to wait till 2020 before it gets here. So it can still win again this year. <laughs> so take us through the whole process, Ignacy. Why is it taking this long to get to Kickstarter? Oh, this involves my friend uh, Steven Bonacor, of course, because he is a publisher of Stronghold in America. So first we... First, we Portal Games delayed the development of the of the so-called Undead because uh, of Detective. Then, when we were ready, Steven said, "Hey, let's do a Kickstarter." And I said, "Okay, this is a niche game. It's only for two players. Maybe Kickstarter is a, a right place to check how many people are actually interested in the game." So we decided, "Let's do a Kickstarter." Then uh, Steven said, "Well, actually, let's not do the Kickstarter." And I said, "No, let's do this Kickstarter." And there was like a couple of discussions, and here we are. After almost more than two years of debating how to release this game, and that the Kickstarter finally started, and the Kickstarter is uh, done by Portal Games, and then the game will be released for North North America market by Stronghold Games. So, like a retail version oh. will be by Stronghold Games because they have the rights for the line of Stronghold, so it makes perfect sense. But this Kickstarter is done by me, designer of the game, and the previous publisher. So Portal Games is running Kickstarter, and then retail version, Mr. Bonacor will pitch the game on every podcast he will be invited to. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow, you know Stephen pretty well, don't you? Will there be any differences between the two? The one that you release on Kickstarter and the retail version from Stronghold? Of course, it depends on how the Kickstarter will work. Of course, we hope that we will unlock some of the stretch goals. We'll have some additional you know, fancy components like always with the Kickstarter versions. But uh, in terms of course of the gameplay and the uh, regular version, uh, this is two des- the same games. I just hope to unlock some additional features in the Kickstarter campaign, like, you know, thicker cardboard, like, you know, all these additional amazing features of the Kickstarter stretch goals. But basically, we are talking about the same game, of course. So, Ignacy, for Stronghold and Stronghold Undead, I mean, the original version, you had an Undead expansion, correct? Correct. What is the main difference between Stronghold and Stronghold Undead, other than one is dealing with orcs and one is dealing with skeletons and vampires what's the big gameplay difference in your mind yeah this is a this is perfect example of of me overdoing everything that i'm starting to work with like (laughs) at at the beginning it was just let's change a team add a few more abilities and release a small expansion Uh, a year later it was 2010 it turned out i designed a whole brand new game so it uses the basic premise and the basic mechanism of one player being defender, the other player being invader, they are struggling for the siege of the castle, but then when you look at every single, like literally every single piece of the game of the base game of the stronghold, I change it because I'm crazy and because I cannot stop, I cannot take breaks for example, you mentioned orcs, there are orcs um, in the in the base game of stronghold, here we have uh, phantoms vampires and skeletons, but not only we change the name of these guys 
they have the special abilities now. So before they didn't have any abilities. They have just strange one, strange two, strange three. Mm. Now in the under they have a special abilities. Phantoms can fly and then don't need the ladders to attack the walls. Skeletons after the death they can be changed to the mana and give the additional powers to the sorcerer. So suddenly all these regular forces now have the special abilities. If you are talking about the skeletons and the mana. In a regular game of Stronghold, the invader was just building machines and doing all these actions. Now, if you're playing a necromancer, if you're now invader but doing the dark magic, you have to have the special resource called mana. If you don't have this mana resource, you cannot do anything. And because it is very thematic, as always in my games, because the down is coming and the sun is going up and up, every single round the necromancer has less mana and even at some point he will have to pay mana to have his forces intact, I would say. So this is the whole new mechanism of the resource management for the, for the Necromancer. The Necromancer now has 24 different spells at his hand available. He can use at every single round 6 spells, 6 different spells and the rest of the spells are in his library. So once again, there's a whole new mechanism when he can go to this library take new spells, put them into the play, remove the old spells. So once again, hand management because you have to decide which 6 spells will be perfect in this particular round. And I could get go on and on with the, all these panic levels and panic and stress mechanisms for the for the defenders that they are terrified of the phantoms and vampires and they do crazy stuff because they are just terrified we change them up like basically i created a brand new game this is what happened and uh, i'm crazy i'm sorry but players will appreciate that i hope so last night i actually went and reread the stronghold rule okay i lied i went and got rodney's video the first stronghold <laughs> video and scrubbed through some of it since we had just played tony and ignacy i didn't realize how much you had changed so in, yep. in the first game i think there were like on the attacker side or invader invader side which is what i played in the undead version I think there's like nine spells out there and the, and the resources you use to build things are wood and actual, like uh, the cubes, the orcs and yep. et cetera. And when you pay with the orcs or whatever, that's what gives the opponent or the uh, time. defender time in yep. this game. And I think I like this better. It's the whole mana mechanic is the fact that every round you have like eight rounds. Like you said, each round you get an X amount of mana when you spend that mana, it's very easy. That other person gets time to spend as the defender. And I didn't really grasp it because there's this there's this one part in the rule book that says that if you can't pay the mana, you forfeit something. It's like, when can I not pay the mana? And then I noticed at the end of the game, oh, at the beginning of the round, I have to pay mana back. Yep. So as the attacker, I'm constantly trying to build this huge pool of mana because I know I need to save some up for the end of the game to pay off that mana debt and then still have some left over to cast my spells. I really like that. Thank you. Oh, is, is that it? Just thank you? I just walk away with the reward <laughs> and say thank you? Oh. He's, he's a man of few words. I agree. I agree. I know. <laughs> It's not Bonacore sitting here. Oh, okay. So, yes, the mana. That's one of the unique concepts that I enjoyed about when we were playing it, Marty. And the fact that you, I had to wait for you to read through all those spell cards. I was like, holy cow. Here's the thing. The reason why it took us a while yeah. is because there are a lot of spell cards. I had a lot of AP on my turn because at the beginning of my turn, I can replace cards that are on the table. So uh, I think there's three different colors of cards. And you recommend in the rule book that 
here's your beginning set of spells, here's your mid-game set of spells, and in-game set of spells. So I'm just reading through the cards, kind of see what they do. And as you're learning the game, it just takes time to do that. But I think once you kind of have a strategy in place, that your turns will go a whole lot quicker. Once we started the turn, it moved quick. It was just in the preparation of what I wanted to do. But then it is a deep two-player strategy game, much like maybe War of the Ring, Twilight Struggle, etc. Totally asymmetric play. And with that, there's a lot of strategy and tactics going on. Yeah, and with all this, once again, what it differs from the base game, these 24 spells, it is not just that I took the old abilities, changed the team for the, now it is called spell. These are different abilities. Like uh, in the base game, we had different abilities. We are building catapults on siege towers. Now we are not building siege towers. We are not building catapults. We have different abilities. So these are 24 absolutely new abilities. And what you, what you mentioned, like you can start with the six basic uh, spells uh, recommended by the rulebook, but then you look at this library, you look at these 18 different spells, and you can, and now I will take these bats, and I will take this mist, and I will this, make this combo. And it is all about making synergies between these spells and creating some super good opportunities for your uh, soldiers to reach to the walls and attack. And with all these different spells, you have so many different choices, so many different uh, combinations. And then there's Defender. Like, when Defender sees what you're planning, what spells you chose for this particular round, he can see what is coming ahead and he can plan. So this is like a two-person. The better you know the game, the better you see what's coming up, you will have better time. And I really like the Saint. Was it the Saint, Marty, that I threw on you constantly that you couldn't move your guys? Is that the... Yep, this is this is one of the most powerful things, yes. I hated that thing because, yep. I mean, again, there's a, a lot of different oh, things yeah. going on here, but there's, there's this one thing where Tony would see me coming a certain way and he would like to a Saint ability on there it keeps me from moving the thing that we always liked about this game tony was it had that lord of the Rings ccg feel where the more i do the more that you can do back at me and so at the end of the game i was trying to starve you basically uh it would get to my turn and i would hardly do anything in order that you could i wouldn't give you time tokens in order to defend me and then I'm sitting there looking, that's fine. You go ahead and do that. That means you can't get to the wall. Now, I've done everything I can, except maybe I can move my forces quicker. I'll admit, you went left, and I thought you were going right, and that really messed me up at the end. I mean, we went to the very end, Ignacy, and I, th- I mean, I thought it was a very good game that we had going. I thought it could have gone either way for us. Well, didn't we play through eight rounds and yeah. it was determined in the final battle who won and it could have gone either way. That's what made that experience so and great. And I thought I had you until you said, oh, remember with vampires, the, the there's a strength increase based on the number. There was one card, Ignacy, or yep. I was like, oh, crud. That means you're going to beat me on this wall. And uh, I played the last time I played with Janna, my developer, it was uh, two weeks ago. I was defending the castle. I survived till seventh round. So last round more and I would w- win the game, but I lost. But it's exactly what you mentioned. Like I was feeling like try to stand, hold, stand fast one more round. Uh, I, would, I would do it. I would do it. But no, finally she broke through the walls and won. But it's a super epic feeling of like we can keep fighting we can keep surviving we will do it and the invader is just pushing harder pushing harder and there's the, the small difference in the abilities like uh, of course you, you need to know these games very well to see these differences but in the undead expansion there is more abilities in the defender side of the castle that actually don't kill uh, forces but just push them away 
mm-hmm. but these forces will the cubes will be still on the on the pitch, so they will be still swarming around the castle, which is super thematic. Saint uh, Abbot, you mentioned, it is very powerful. It is super frustrating for the invader because you are co- locking uh, the, the the forces on the ramparts, but you are not killing them. So the next round, they will get you. And there's a couple of such things like the same priest. Priest is pushing away the ghosts, but he's not killing them. So if each round is more and more cubes on the on the board and the, the more terrifying all around the castle, which is super thematic in my opinion. For those who have never played the game, Ignacy, could you just tell us what a structure of a round is? Like, well, I mean, this there's a lot of back and forth. How exactly does the flow of a round go? Yeah, so the, the the whole concept of the game was that the, the invader in this situation, in this stronghold, is a bad necromancer. But the invader has the whole con- whole control over the game. Like he dictates the pace of the game. He dictates what will happen because, as we as we mentioned, he has these spells. If he casts these spells, he will get some abilities. He will move his forces. He will uh, do powerful effects on the board. But each time he casts the spell, he gives mentioned earlier time you know, to the defender. So that invader decides how much time the defender has. And time is actually a token that the uh, defender has that they can spend. Yes. And then defender, when he's uh, handed these uh, time tokens, he can spend this time on his actions, like uh, preparing, uh, training his forces or um, praying to the gods for the help or improving the gate of the of the castle or doing all this crazy stuff. But he has only as much time as he is given. For me as a designer, there's this interesting uh, dynamics that you as an invader feels like you have everything in the control, like you are doing as many spells as you want and you will give the opponent as much time as you think they need, right? And then after uh, the invader cast all the spells he wanted, after the defender used all his time he was given for his action, then we move to the final stage of the of the of the each round. It is a combat phase. Of course, it is the most epic and complicated part of the game because it's a game about the siege. So then we have this, you know, all these additional steps uh, that you go through. And there's first the shooting, first the cannons on the castle shoot, then the ballistas shoot, then the stone throwers shoot, then the archers shoot. Shooting done, yes. Now the, the machines like uh, pots with the hot oil act, then the priest turns the phantoms away. And you go through this all these steps, steps, steps of the combat and, and the final step of the each combat is uh, looking at each part of the castle, each uh, wall section, as we call them in the rulebook, and you see if the invader has more strength in terms of the soldiers than the, than the defender. If he has, he kills some defenders. If this is opposite, defender kill invader. This is a rare situation. And you go through the, all these sections. If uh, at some point you manage to break you win the game if you break to the to the walls. So the combat part of the game, the, the final stage of each round is quite automatic. Like there is no more of your choices. Like in the action phase, when you cast the spells and when you spend your time, you're preparing to this combat phase. And in the combat phase, you just go check, 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 and things happen. But there's no much you can do. The combat is already in in progress. And Marty, that is a very McCree flowchart right there. I could, that combat, he says it's complicated, but uh, oh, we could flowchart this bad boy out. Matter of fact, I think I think I got a challenge there. Uh, Ignacio, we're thinking about doing that. Tony makes these incredible flowcharts, and you're right. It is step, 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 step for the combat. And that's where we got to the point in the combat is with, with your rule book that we printed out. We wanted to make sure we meticulously went through each step exactly as explained. 
And it's one of those things that as the game went on, the less we had to refer to the rules because we started memorizing it. But uh, I assume that within the materials that you're going to have with the game, there's going to be some sort of easy to read guide to resolve that combat phase. There's a player eight for each player with uh, color coded phases for the invader and for the defender. So it is uh, pretty, pretty simple. Like, uh, of course, I know that I am designer. There's always this uh, unwritten rule that if designer plays a prototype in uh, two hours, that means that the average user will play four hours because designer knows it's so much better. He designer plays so much better. But uh, with this uh, flowchart, with these uh, players eight, you just go step pause, done, step catapult, done, step archers, done, and you just go, go, go. And the most crucial thing is at this point, there's no decision. We are just resolving, 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 because all you had influence on the battlefield, it was in the action phase when you were doing these actions. Now in the in the combat phase, you just resolve what just happened and you keep fingers that your soldiers will somehow made it. So the combat phase is like computer instructions, Tony. You just step, yeah. step, 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 right. and it just resolves automatically without decision being made. We're bringing this confusing video again? No, we're not bringing in the magic confusing video. No, <laughs> okay. no that's not, it's not a Turing computer, no. But I, I'll say, because you mentioned the man on the invader side. On my side, when I was playing the Defender, the new Panic, I guess it's new. It felt new to me, the Panic. Oh, I like those cards. Yeah, explain what the Panic is. Me or him. If, if we want it done right, we'll give it to Ignacy. If I, you want me to do it based Basically, there's this card that if I have panic, my castle is under siege. And I see all these vampires and ghosts and skeletons. I get scared. And it increases the panic in my castle. And then based on that number, I have to flip over these cards that are going to hurt me. And it sucks. Plain and simple. And this is, uh, once again, one of these uh, small mechanisms that I really uh, like and I'm very proud because these cards have a not very strong effect. Like this is just, okay, you're losing, uh, some small things happen. But if you have panic level like a five and you have to draw five of these cards, then it sucks. So it is for the player, for the defender, it is like, I can survive one panic, I can survive two panics, but if the panic goes too high, if I don't control what's going on in the castle, it will hurt me a lot. So for the invader player, once again, he may push a defender, hey, we will try to terrify you a little bit, just give you some panic level. And depending on how defender is playing, he can ignore that. But if he ignores it too much, it will be a pain in the ass. That's, that's for sure. Yes, especially when it's like, okay, this one shuts down my workshop, so I can't do that, or my training grounds, or my hospital. Oh, wait, it's going to cost me more time to do this. Oh, here's another more time. And it just it snowballs on you, and therefore it's like, okay, now I've got to shift my focus away from the panic, and that's where Marty was concentrating, so that I can't spend my time on my weapons or getting people back. Yes, panic, I think, added that other kind of push-pull mechanism for me. Really enjoy Stronghold Undead. You know, for me, I've always enjoyed Stronghold. I'm looking forward to this just for having that panic mechanism. And then also on Marty, when Marty was playing the Invader side, the Temple uh, or the Altar. What, what was it, Marty? Altar of, of Dead or something? Uh, the one where the skeletons could come back and create mana. What's that called? I have no clue. I'm not doing the names. <laughs> oh I'm, I'm doing. He's the I'm designer. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, yeah, what, what I can say, I don't know the, the I don't know the title of this of this card, but I know how it works. For you as an invader, it is once again very interesting and and challenging uh, choice. Either you send your skeletons 
to die because you know that if they are dead, they will go to this altar and you will get more mana or you are sending them to actually win, not to die. So once again, it is a very interesting choice for you how you will play with the skeletons. Do you want to sacrifice them to get mana or do you want them actually to win some of the combat? So once again, super cool combat choice. Altar of Death cards, what it's called. Awesome name. But if I see a bunch of cubes sitting on that card, I know as the defender that later in later in the game, he's going to be able to unleash a lot of mana and that's scary. Correct. Now, one thing yeah. I want to do is transition us over to the Kickstarter that's coming out or that's out. Oh, one quick thing, Tony, before we say, I, I think just make sure people understand two things. One, the way the invader wins is to breach the wall. The way the defender wins is to last eight rounds. And that's pretty much the goal of the game. And, and the one last thing that we didn't mention, Ignacy, do you need the base game to play Stronghold Undead? No, no. This is, of course, this is a very, very good point you are mentioning. Back then, this 10 years ago, it was expansion for the base game. But now, of course, it is 10 years past and nobody has this uh, this edition of the game. So now it is standalone product. We changed the map. So we have now a big, amazing map with the new uh, sections of the walls, new towers, etc. So we have a brand new product that is standalone. Uh, if you're a fan of the base stronghold, you will get all these uh, new abilities, all these new armies, all these new spells. If you've never played stronghold, it may be a great way to jump in and, and, and try this system. Now, go ahead, Tony, to Kickstarter. Well, that was it. I was going to mention that you do, this is a standalone game, but no, you jump right back Well, no, in. no, I, I want to jump into the Kickstarter because now the Kickstarter, has, as, as of the release of this episode, has been running for three or four days. So let's talk about some of the amazing things in the Kickstarter. What what some of the stretch goals we're trying to unlock now, Ignasi? First of all, we try to fund the game. And uh, <laughs> okay, that's going to happen within a day. Go ahead. We we've already we've already funded at this point. I'm not that sure. Like uh, I'm I'm really scared what will happen. On one hand, uh, Stronghold has a quite a good reputation. I even did quite quite a number of polls on different Facebook groups, and I was asking people about if they heard about the Stronghold. And there are so many people who said yes. I heard about the Stronghold, I heard it's a good game, I heard it's a complex game. So there is this uh, information about the game, there's this general knowledge, like people heard about Stronghold. But then I was asking, did you play Stronghold? Not many people played Stronghold, because it is a two-player game only. So for you, like Tony and Marty, if you have your partner that you're playing with regularly, on a regular basis, this is a perfect for you. But of course, there's so many other players who play four-players game, three-players game, five-players game, they have this gaming group, gaming club, and for them to play a game is not the perfect choice. So my first goal is to have this game funded. Uh, I'll be very happy seeing that. Uh, lots of work on our side to prepare this uh, new edition. And then if we are funded, what we will unlock? Uh, on one hand, as usually on the Kickstarter, we will try to make this Kickstarter version better than the regular retail version. So the thicker cardboard, the uh, bigger cards, etc. etc. So like improving components this is uh, one of the stretch goals of the pack of the stretch goals we have prepared and our production manager prepared different variants of production of the game and the other one is uh, additional content for the game and uh, that is quite a surprise for me but uh, as I hired uh, this summer Jana, you heard about Jana, she's my developer mm-hmm. uh, and she was playtesting with me and developing this 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 game and she was asking me can we bring to the kickstarter some new abilities some new things and i was like hey it's not that easy uh, in this <laughs> game there's so many abilities already i spent some of the months designing it uh, I, I don't think if we can come with new new ideas and then she was like new ability new ability new ability <laughs> and i always shut up uh, so wait whoa, 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 whoa. and you just said you've been spending months 
let's say years. Let's get the right <laughs> time context in here. Years. That yeah. is true. And I thought it's a final product. I thought there's no space to bring new abilities. And then on the fly, she came out like three new ideas. And I just said, her, shut up. If you have a stretch, stretch goals unlocked, I allow you to develop this. But at this point, she will just pissing me off. But, uh, it, you know, she is super talented, first of all. Then she has this fresh perspective. Uh, that's me defending my position. And basically, like, Yes, there is a chance for the new content. There's a, she has these ideas. She has this uh, new perspective for the game. So if the Kickstarter will be uh, successful, we will uh, be able to bring in new content and a uh, new thing that she will come up. I have no clue what she will come up with, but she is able to do that. But let's do a small step. Like uh, Once again, I'm, I'm, I'm quite afraid of this Kickstarter. Like uh, I have no clue what will happen. Mm, I have my... Mm, low expectation, I, w- I would say, because it's a brilliant game. I love it, but I know it's a two-player game, and this is not the best uh, for the players. I can understand that. I mean, it is a scary thing where you know you, you always gaming is a um, social gathering, and two players. Well, that's just Correct. yeah. I, okay. Now I will say this: people, I've been reading the Kickstarter drafts and some comments about you know, oh, can you make the um, on the invader side, you need to make those cubes, the, the colored cubes, into special figures. And some people are pointing out, oh, but if I reach in the bag, I can feel for the vampires and the ghosts and things like that. So, Marty, I know you mentioned it in our game that maybe he'll do that. I'm like, yeah, but would people really cheat? I know if I was playing the invader against Marty, yeah, I would cheat. I would feel for it. That is a good question because on the defender side, all the uh, tokens, you know, represent the archers and the priest or or not the priest, but the, uh, the other warriors and everything, they look like they're supposed to be. And on the invader side, they're just little colored cubes. Is there any way, and I saw that uh, comment a lot on the Kickstarter. Is there any way to beef those up a little bit more and make them more than just little cubes? So yes, it is possible. And we will see how the campaign will grow. We'll see what we will be able to unlock. On one hand, there is this solution that backers suggest, and uh, I'm open for it. They suggest that you will draw the cubes from the uh, from the uh, sack, but then you will take from the you know side aside the miniatures uh, and you put them on the board. So you are not putting uh, cubes uh, on the board; you are just using cubes to randomly choose which forces are on the on the board. Uh, so we will see. It may be possible, but for me. It was always personal choice, these cubes, because for me, as I imagine myself as a general, this having these many, many small cubes, it uh, makes me feel like, okay, this is, I have so many soldiers, I just see like a small dots because oh. there's so many of them, and I feel like this wave of these soldiers. So I imagine that they meet like a Napoleon Bonaparte having all these, you know, preparing for these battles, and he has these simulations of the epic battles. And I see these cubes, I guess, like a wave of the soldiers. So I never wanted uh, figures in the in the game. The game is for the for the for the people. The game is for the backers. So if the backers uh, will want it, if the Kisato is successful, we can bring soldiers. But me at home, I will always play with the cubes because this is how I vision uh, make this visual appealing for me. I see these these waves of the cubes just because there's so many of them. I don't see the detail. I don't see the soldiers. These just waves of the of the of the bad guys. And so for me, it was always decision in terms of how I see this game. So that's kind of cool. So if yeah. you go back and, and look at uh, like Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. Battle at Helm's Deep, you saw the yeah. individual elves and dwarves on the wall. But when Correct. you looked out, it was just a mass of orcs. I like that. that look, we learned it. something today. Oh, man, the geeks are going to jump all over you. Massive orcs. Really? 
Who who what? Who came and fought at Battle of Helm's Deep? Oh, it's the Urukai. My bad. My bad. I'm sorry. Uh, another correction. <laughs> okay. Well, Ignacy, we wish you a whole bunch of luck on this. We want it to be funded. We're excited for this game. We've been building our anticipation for many years. And we're tired of giving you a, a, I guess, well, throwing you a bone with the award on Stronghold Undead. We want that running joke to end. Stronghold Undead, I feel it. It's going to be a success. Get out there and fund it. And uh, just to wrap this thing up, when would the release be of the game? And uh, for those who haven't gone out to the Kickstarter, what is the uh, price point of the game? Price point would be probably $65. I'm still waiting for this final, final call from from the production. But we are aiming at $65. The delivery should be in summer next year. Nah, but it all depends on the Kickstarter. Like I don't want to sound like making some excuses, but we really have no clue what will happen during this Kickstarter campaign. We have no clue what will be unlocked. Uh, if I will have to spend with John a couple of additional weeks or months developing new content, like I don't know. At this point, I know that we have amazing uh, thematic two-player involving game. And now we need the world to react. And depending how the world will react, will start after the Kickstarter campaign finishes, either developing new content, either just moving into the to directly to the manufacturer. I don't know. I have a red retail version. And now the backers will decide if they want something more. I'll tell you what, for $65, that's an incredible price for a lot that's in that box. And we've only seen the prototype game board, but it's huge. It is a huge board. And when we were playing it at Mega Moose Con, Ignacy, people kept walking over, what is this? Because the table presence of this game is just amazing. And I think for that price point, that just that's a lot in the box for that price. And it's a lot of game for that price point too. So people, get out there and back it. Tony and I want to play this game some more. We've been whining about it for three years. Give it to us now. I will. If only backers will help me, I will. <laughs> Can I get an award if the Kickstarter fails and the Suncall will not be released ever? Like, sorry, award. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> If it, if it comes to that, we will have a special squirrely award just for you this year. Its eyes will be closed. The dead squirrely. <laughs> you ought to have like <laughs> little X's in his eyes showing that he's dead. Head over to thebrokentoken.com for all your organizing needs. That's right. you got some games that need to be played. you got some games that need some setup shortened, and that's where these organizers come in real handy. Well, if you've got all that handled, then by gosh, go over there and check out their new 28mm miniatures over at thebrokentoken.com, as well as all the other nice game accessories that they have. Also, you've got the Black Friday coming up, and you know the Broken Token will have some special discounts going on. So be sure to check it out at thebrokentoken.com. Here at Rolling Dice and Taking Names, we're known for making a lot of mistakes, and we want to make sure we correct these mistakes. And on the last episode, I talked about the Terra Mystica expansion, Merchants of the Seas. And Ignacy, can you believe this? I, I got a rule wrong. Well, this is the first time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It won't be a last. He, he, he knows this too well. So I want to explain something. I said one of the issues I had with the game was the amount of time it would take for one player to take their turn if they ever take a ship into a shipyard because they can immediately move again. 
when I posted our review or our episode out on BGG, one of the designers said, thank you so much for your terrific review, but you got something wrong. When you send a ship into the shipyard, your choice is to, is to regenerate the sh same ship at another dock or shipyard or unlock your move action for a later turn. So you don't immediately get to move again. What it does, it just enables you to, in a future turn, be able to move your ships once more. And with that in mind, that means that does not increase the amount of time it takes for a person to take their turn when moving a ship. So remove that little negative aspect I have because it's not there. All right. All it does is unlocks a future ability to move again. So thank you for the correction. And what this does is just makes Merchants of the Seas even more of a recommendation recommendation for me. If you like Terra Mystica, you are going to want this expansion. So I, I apologize for the error. Do you like Terra Mystica in the Odyssey? I just heard that designer of this game is listening to your podcast. So <laughs> never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so detective releasing some free content you got some more stories mr davio's talking about his writing up of the stories when's it hitting what you got planned how's it going there's so many questions well then see you don't have to answer any of them you can just talk about detective and you will eventually find all, all the answers rob davio's case written Edited, uh, ready for uh, for DTP, so preparing the actual files and uh, soon ready to print. So it will be early next year. It will be standalone case for detective. Uh, uh, Rob made a super nice twist, so everybody will be surprised. I'm I'm super happy with the final result. Uh, we are moving the action to 70s, Starskin, Hatch, and that kind of jazz. Nice. So it's really really having some twists and surprises for the play. So this is ready. And it is uh, it is ready to go to um, production stage for the detective season one. This is the simpler, cheaper version of detective uh, for uh, all of you who want to play detective with uh, new gamers, with the people who haven't played the whole campaign. It will be ready for the second half of the next year. It will be a free standalone cases in different countries, different settings, different. Uh, style of the play so this is what's coming next year but later next year but let, let's just dig into that real quick so detective season one which you had now announced at essen is basically a shorter version of the game because i really like detective but you can get into two to three hour games and stuff but this is supposed to be condensed down to like 90 minutes is that correct correct so i can clearly see that for example you play detective with your family you love the experience but when you ask them if they want to play again and they say oh three hours maybe next evening and they pass on because it was an amazing experience, it was immersive experience, but it was very costly in terms of the engagement. Right. It was the whole game night. So now we are just shrinking this experience to, six, to 60 to 90 minutes, uh, shorter cases, uh, once again, super involving, super immersive. We are still using Antar's website, we are still uh, doing all this deduction and brainstorming, but it will not take the whole game night, it will take like uh, 90 minutes, you will solve the case, you will uh, high-five each other, and then you can play other game, the same game game night so we are getting the feedback from the players uh, you know we released this game uh, like almost uh, a year and a half ago we have so many uh, good reviews we have so many good opinions but we also have some criticism that it takes so much involvement from the players to play the game so there's a new version season one three cases and i think that for you like you love detective 
but you would love to play it more often with the different groups, it will be a perfect fit for you. So you will have the experience that you know from the campaign version, but in a shorter, more packed version. And Marty, Ignacy brought it up, so I can say it. That's exactly why the lady of the house said, I don't know, it just it took too long. So this right here will be the sweet spot for, I mean, she'll have her sunny day at the beach as while she's playing detective in an hour and an hour and a half. Detective is the most successful game in the case of the Portal games. We, we never had so many hours for the game. We never sold so many copies of the game. But we also have tremendous feedback, like the number of people contacting us and giving us feedback. Our partners from France, from Italy, from Germany, giving us advice as how to develop this line. So now we are talking about Portal games and our partners from different countries suggesting how we can now adjust the system and bring a new value for the players. So Detective is going strong. There will be new content for Detective in upcoming months and years. But the thing that started this whole epic, mind-blowing campaign now be in the new products a little bit more user-friendly because it was amazing, it was epic, but for many players it was just too much. It was too much of the epicness. So is the I, I, since you're calling this season one, I assume the idea is you'll come out with other seasons that are also considered shorter type scenarios? Correct. Okay. To see, you got all the answers in, Ignacy. Well done. <laughs> you didn't even know you did it. You did it. You, you took care of it. So, Detective, so y'all heard it. He's going to come out with a shorter version for those of you like me who are like, oh, man, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Now, I will say Stronghold Undead, that was the best three and a half hours I've spent playing. <laughs> And and again, it, it, on the box, I believe you say it's 90 minutes. And to be honest with you, once you understand the game, it'll be condensed. But uh, Tony and I had printed out rules so they're not format exactly right. So And we wanted to make sure that we got it right. And so and I had some AP too. So it, it will be condensed. It, of course, depends uh, how early the Necromancer enters the walls. It may be third round. It may be fifth round. It may be eighth round. So, of course, right. uh, it's, it scales itself depending on the how players play. But uh, when you consider playing the deck, uh, Stronghold. If you consider backing it, we are talking about the once again game night experience. You have to have your buddy that knows the game. You play often, and now you have this Grail game that you can crack open uh, every six months or maybe even once a year to have this amazing game night. Today we are playing the Siege. It will be awesome. We have uh, awesome music. We have this great board on the table and this experience for us. This is not the game that when you finish, you say, okay, let's move on because you will be talking about the mistakes you made, how you played. Like this is the game that even after you finish, you are still living this game and discussing what happened. So this is a game night experience. It's a board game that tells stories, which is what you like to do. And the the two sides are totally different so every time you play you could play the other side and have a totally different experience i love it so next year detective season one next year hopefully when it funds uh we'll have stronghold undead and i know it's still probably early and you got a lot of things that you can't tell us but what else can you tell us that's going to be coming in 2020 that you can tease yeah so uh, as as uh, you listeners know each year we held a one day event called portal con mm-hmm. so during the portal con we'll announce everything 25th of january Everybody can join our live stream and see me on the stage presenting all these new releases, what you can expect during the portal count, new content for Detective, new content for Imperial Settlers. Yes, we are going to support this line with a new product for the base Imperial Settlers. There will be, of course, expansion for Empires of the North. There will be one uh, new game. I can I can tease it already that it is sort of the party game, so this is a quite surprise from our catalog. And basically, yes, we are going to support also Robinson Crusoe with the new expansion, so we are betting on our games that have the most fans, that they're the most loved, and we are just creating a new expansions, new content for them, and sometimes a new game. So it will be all 
announced uh, January 25th uh, at Port Did I miss it? Did you say Monolith Arena? With Monolith Arena, we will know more at the end of the year. We wait for the evaluation of the academics, how the sales of the academics, the previous okay. faction will, will do. We have Marcin, um, Marcin um, sorry, Michal, Michal Walczak ready. I have actually a phone call with him this week he's already working on the new faction for Neuroshima Hex because Neuroshima Hex is a huge best seller for us and he was asking me for the if he can start designing a new faction for uh, Monolith Arena I told him wait till December I will have at the end of the year I will have the financial results for academics and then we'll make a decision so uh, at PortalCon we'll announce if there is a new content but uh, in terms of the designer He's ready to, to, to start. People need to go buy academics. Now, go to Miniature Market, buy academics because I want another expansion. Correct. That's how it works. So, Marty, I, I was just kind of curious. I went out and priced some flights to Poland to see if I could yeah. make it to PortalCon next year. I'm like, wow, no wonder it takes Ignacy forever to get here. It was like uh, 16 hours. I was like, wow, that is unreal. Where, where is PortalCon going to be held? It will be held in uh, in uh, Hozhov. This is a city very close to us, and we actually are doing it on a stadium, football stadium, a super epic location. Uh, like Everybody was mind-blown here in Poland when we announced it is uh, one of the famous stadiums in Poland, the whole country. Uh, very legendary and we rented the conference conference rooms and uh, all these uh, different uh, keynote uh, um, uh, spaces and it will be absolutely epic uh, day some of the people ask me uh, why we make such a huge hype about this portal con why we make it uh, such a big event and i tell them video gamers have their viscon they have their e3 and i believe that for these fans in poland i'm doing experience that they will leave one day that crazy like BlizzCon for the fans of the World Club, like E3 for the fans of the video games. They will come and for the whole day they'll be all around the Portal Games fans, about five to seven hundred people in one day. Huge keynotes, a huge splash, hype announcement, videos, special guests. Like this is the day that the Portal Games fans feels like they're at the BlizzCon, of course, with the Samsung the regards. And last this year when we were announcing uh, titles for Polish market, you know, there is a stage, there's like uh, 500 people in the room on the in the season, I'm announcing, hey, and we want to announce for the Polish market, Mage Knight, the big box, and the whole room is cheering. And then and we announce the rights for the Polish edition of Roll, Race for the Galaxy, and Roll for the Galaxy, and New Frontiers, and the whole room is, you know, cheering. And then we say, and we announce the biggest release of the last SN, Teotihuacan, released in Poland by Portal Games, and the whole room is cheering. And I say, and by the way, we already produced this game, and it will be street dated the next week, and everybody is just crazy <laughs> on, the, on, the, on, on the audience. And then I say, and by the way, because we love you, we have 100 copies for you here. You can buy it today, Totihuacan, only for you. And people just get crazy. And it's something they will remember for, for years. Like they were there when Portal Games announced Port Polish edition of Totihuacan. They bought the box, they have it signed. Like this is the moment for them. So on one hand, uh, people are sometimes making fun of me that I'm making it so Stevie Jobsy, Kinos. <laughs> but on the other hand, I do believe these 500 people had a Blast, amazing days, you know, being with us all day and seeing this announcement. So, yes, we are continuing doing crazy, crazy kinos once a year. It's on my bucket list. 
Someday I want to yeah, get over Yeah, there. I want to go. We want to understand a word that's being said from the stage, but Tony, we'll just cheer when everybody else cheers, just to make yeah, sure yeah, we just, yeah, you can literally, You can literally feel the energy. It is amazing when I enter the scene, everybody's cheering, and everybody's like, this is amazing. This is absolutely a place to be once in their life, being in the keynote for a board game event. I want, I want to go sometime. Well, Ignacy, anything else, Marty? We, he's already told us that in like nine minutes, he's just leaving the, the stream, so we need to go ahead and wrap this up, or he's just going to walk away because he's got to go watch his volleyball game that is so true <laughs> well you know i need to go take a nap got up kind of early this morning but that's that's <laughs> all right i can handle this ignacy thank you so much for coming on we love having you on and look forward to seeing you next year at gen con we hope you take time to come back over and spend a few days i would like the opportunity not only to play world cup but maybe we can play some actual games that would be that would be a good idea we, we, we know each other for many many years and we just shake hands at the conventions and uh, we run to different uh, events so it would be cool to have just a game night together and it would be probably very very funny well well to be fair we you shake hands and then we start putting rubber mats down on the floor and stocking shelves <laughs> i love it i'm sorry i love doing it i love doing it <laughs> Oh, so keep rolling dice and taking names. Thanks for listening. If you want to, you can follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names, Instagram Dyson Names. Join our BGG Guild 1589. And if you would consider leaving a positive review over on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it. We'll see you next episode. Ignacy, is there a special stretch goal for us where all the cards are eight and a half by 11? There is a chance uh, if your listeners, if your viewers, if your <laughs> fans back this project, I can promise a special edition. Like I can see these Dixit cards for everything. <laughs> it may happen. We just need this thousand of dollars from your fans and I'm ready to rock. Or maybe everyone would include a magnifying glass. That'd even work for me. <laughs> That's the magnifying glass stretch goal. It's gotta happen. <laughs> Hello, hello, this is Ignacy Trzewiczek. This is the first time professional commercial in this podcast. <laughs> I just want to say that when you, when you make a commercial, first you have to think about the audience. Then this audience have to have the problem. And then this commercial, this product have to solve this problem. This is how you create a commercial. So let's think about the problem. Many players have this problem that some friends come over to their place to play games and you don't like these people they are just coming over to you and you are tired of them so Stronghold Undead is your answer for these needs this is the game that plays only for two players so you can tell them hey guys it's an only two player game I cannot play with you go away this is this game giving you answer for your problems consider backing it this is a perfect solution for you Stronghold Undead play only with your friends one friend and tell everybody else to get away. 